0: The word is for everyone. It's alive and active, filled with wisdom, truth, and hope. Understanding and interpreting its pages can seem overwhelming, but this podcast is here to help. This is Unschooled and Ordinary.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Unschooled and Ordinary Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I'm here with Ben, a.k.a. Mr. Commentary, himself, Brandy Stewart, and Angie Gates is back with us. Angie, we missed you last week. Hey,
2: I missed y'all. So much.
1: Angie, where did you go?
2: We actually went to Tennessee. Did y'all fly? Absolutely not.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if y'all flew on a plane. Should
2: we have flown? I
3: don't know. I just, I didn't know. I was wondering about the, like, safety protocols that they do on the planes, you know? like
2: We try to be safe in our car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Y'all know those, uh, what, what's the flight attendant say? You know, they, they come up and they act it out, they demonstrate it, and they give you 15 different things to be aware of in the yeah, event. Congratulations,
3: that, you chose the emergency exit seat. <laughs> mm-hmm. what,
1: what's the What's the thing that they say about the oxygen?
3: Um, Like when the oxygen mask comes down, mm-hmm. to secure your oxygen mask before you secure the one for the people around you.
2: I'm impressed you listened. Yeah. You knew that.
0: <laughs> Angie
1: well, just yeah. said
2: she
0: doesn't think you ever listen. I no, think. I
3: just <laughs> meant who listens
2: to the flight <laughs> attendants. I mean, you just kind of tune them out when they start talking.
1: No offense to any flight attendants <laughs> we, that's uh, listening. <laughs> attendants. <laughs> We are the Unschooled and Ordinary Podcast, and we value flight attendants, just for the record. I'm sorry. But you know, that, that's a good point. I was, um, this morning, actually, I was, uh, I woke up in my normal time. Y'all know I like to look at the stars when it feels good outside mm, in the morning.
0: Still not a fan.
1: Whatever, Brandy. And um, <laughs> just everything that I had coming up was on my mind. Uh, sermon that's coming up, getting ready for house church, so on and so forth, and I found myself reading the scripture that we're covering today, which nothing is wrong with that, but I was reading it just in preparation for today.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you, you know, the, the downside of that is you can you can spend time with God just to lead other people. Mm -hmm. And it's this whole analogy, like the flight attendant, you know, get your oxygen mask before you help other people. What's the reasoning for that? Well, if you're not healthy and then, then there's no way to help other people. So the analogy we love to use, or I love to use, like I always say, (laughs) inside joke right there, we want to lead from the overflow of our lives. You know, we, we want to fill our, our cup and then As our cups are full, we then lead out of the overflow. And so for anybody who is just in a position of leadership, it's so important to make sure that you are caring for your soul first, and then God is going to use you to care for everyone else. Hmm. So with that, let's get into Romans chapter one. This is week two of our study of Romans. We're going to be looking at verses eight through 17 today. Uh, but before we get into that, Brandy's about to read here in a second. Y'all know she's our designated reader. <laughs> um, I was curious how the Church of Rome got started. And you can go back and read this in Acts chapter 2. It's the day of Pentecost. You know, people from all over the, the world, they come to Jerusalem and it was there that the Holy Spirit falls on people, I think, for the first time, right? This is, mm-hmm. this is after Jesus' death, the Holy Spirit falls on people. And I believe it's in verse 10. It says that there are people in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost, and they are from Rome. So they get saved on that day, meaning they put their faith in Jesus. They are filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they go back to Rome And they start a church. And this is the church that Paul is writing to. So, Brandy, you want to pick up and read for us? I'd
0: love to. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at least succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest
1: of the Gentiles. Anything stand out to y'all as you were studying and preparing? uh the first that stood out to me
3: um particularly thinking about through the lens of a house church pastor and the role that a house church pastor plays and sometimes how it can be overwhelming and you don't know what to do and where do you start and um and so that that 9 and 10 just stood out to me of like man where where do I start what do I do as a house church pastor um and Paul says, how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times, is what my, is what my version says. Um, and so, man, I just want to encourage our house church pastors, when you don't know where to start or not sure how to lead or feeling really inadequate in that role, and just start there. And every time you think of your house church or every time um, a thought comes through your mind or on your heart about your house church, just pray for them. Um. And, and start there and the Holy Spirit will guide you and prompt you in, into where to go next and what to do next.
0: Can I be really vulnerable and say uh, that also stuck out to me, but for a totally different reason, because I sometimes have read that verse where it talks about without ceasing and thought, well, I can't do that. And uh, well, just
1: tell us the truth. Uh, no, <laughs> tell us how no, you really feel. I'm a
0: failure. Uh, but then it took me over to First Thessalonians chapter 5, because in verse 17, that word is repeated again. And I'm going to take a page out of Mr. Commentary's book here, but uh, where verse 17 says, pray without ceasing, my commentary made mention, and I know this, you know, but um, sometimes my head... It has to be reminded of the things that I already know. But it doesn't mean to literally be praying all day, every day without stopping. Um, But it's more about my mental attitude of being aware that I am walking with God, of being in his presence and having just that open dialogue with him when I need to or when I think about it or whatever. And so when I think of it that way, suddenly it's not like this overwhelming thing of, okay, well, I have to literally pray all day while also doing all my other tasks and try not to be a failure and all that. Maybe that's just me, type A personalities, man, we're the worst.
1: <laughs> that's so good just to be aware of God's witness, mm-hmm. Like He is with me all day. So it's not an obligation I have to talk to Him, mm-hmm. but it's I get to. Yes. Angie, what about you? What stood out?
2: Um, I think for me it was verse 13 where it talks about, you know, it's clear that Paul is saying that he's planned many times to visit Rome, and he really genuinely wanted to see them and to be able to share the gospel with them, but he had not made it yet. And he says he's planned many times, but he's been hindered. And I don't know, that just kind of led me down this track to, to study what actually got Paul there to Rome, and it was by his own request because he appealed to Caesar when he was in prison um and so they sent him there so even though he went by different means if you if you look in Acts chapter 26 his plan was he was going to finish what he was doing and then he was going to go to Spain and on his way to Spain he was going to stop by and see everybody in Rome like he was that was his plan but it just took a completely different route to get him there and I think that helps me to um, find encouragement and a little bit more understanding as to his excitement when we start reading about how he shared his faith with even the guards that were in, in you know guarding him in prison because he was just so excited to be there, like he had really genuinely wanted to be there and tried to be there. And it, and so often we plan our own or make our own plans, but then they they fail, and we live in a state of like I guess we're depressed about it, or we can be, or disappointed, but in Proverbs um, 69, I believe it is, it says that in a man's heart, he plans his his way, but it's the Lord that establishes his step, so that kind of paired with Paul's experience just brings a fresh light to me to try to make sure that um, I don't get caught up in my plans so much when they don't work out the way I want them to.
0: Ben, that reminds me of something you told me about earlier in the week from a book you were reading where it talked about, you know, our perspective on what, when things don't go our way, we tend to want to blame all of it on Satan all the time. Remind me of what it was saying. Right.
3: Yeah, it was basically the idea that when we encounter challenges, that how quick we are to um, attach them to attacks from the devil. But what if, like, God uses challenges in our lives to mature us? And to turn us to His Word for answers to figure out how to navigate those challenges and how to grow in Him, um, and so He can use us in a greater way, right? And and the idea was that just what if we viewed those challenges and those setbacks as um, opportunities to turn for to God's Word to navigate them and it would completely change how we view God's word and how we encounter God's word and how we how we turn to it.
1: Yeah. That's a good word on perspective because there's always going to be things that derail us of our plans. Mm-hmm. And if we look at it like, oh man, this is just another attack from the enemy, then we miss out on the edification that God is trying to do in our own hearts. Um, and, and in our lives, because there's, there's always something. And just imagine how Paul would have been if he was like, oh, well, this is an attack from the enemy. And he was just salty about it the whole time. <laughs> but instead, that's not what we read. We see, oh, man, this is, this is what God is using. This is the way God is leveraging this. Mm-hmm. And he capitalized on every opportunity that he had to make the name of Christ famous. And as a result, we have the gospel because of his faith. Mm-hmm. So just a a shift in perspective really changes the game for us.
0: Yeah, cuz it doesn't mean that Satan isn't attacking. Right. Because scripture tells us mm-hmm. that's true too. You know, so we don't want to make light of it, but your perspective about what happens makes all the difference.
1: Right. And who is who is Satan under the control of? Right. So, yeah, he can attack us, but he can only do so much. He'll never win. That's right. That's right. Brandy, will you go ahead and read the rest of the passage for us? Mm -hmm.
0: So starting back in verse 14, it says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteousness shall live by faith.
3: All right, that's a lot of righteousness. (laughs) what's, What's righteousness mean? Like when we read that word... What does that mean?
1: Well, I think from the root, you have right and wise. Mm -hmm. So it's right, wiseness. So being righteous through God means he has made you right, and he is in the process of giving you wisdom. Mm -hmm. But it's not not a self-righteousness in like, I did this. No, it's recognizing all of this is a gift from God. God has given us Jesus, therefore he is making us right. That helps me. <laughs> Can I geek out for a second?
0: Ah, oh, always. Oh,
1: thank you. <laughs> so, uh, I, th- I thought it was pretty interesting how um, Paul says I am obligated or in debt to both the um, the Greeks, and in the NIV it says non-Greeks. In the ESV it says barbarian, and if you, if you follow the paper trail and the logic for a minute. <laughs> the Jewish people, they saw the world in two groups of people. You had Jewish and you had Gentile, meaning you had God's chosen people and then you had everybody else. The Greeks also viewed the world in two groups of people. You had Greeks and then you had non-Greeks, or as the Greeks called them, barbarians. So the Greeks, um, they took a lot of pride in their culture. They took a lot of pride in their language, and they thought they were the best at all of these things, especially with their language. It was um, just very eloquent, such a beautiful language. So for them, everything that was not spoken in Greek was gibberish. So this word "barbarian" is a how do you say it? Anamana poetic. Y'all know that word onomatopoeia, you know, onomatopoetic word, which basically means the definition is the sound of the word. Like bang, boom, clap. Barbarian is gibberish. So what they heard when somebody was not speaking Greek was bar 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 bar, like it's just a bunch of nonsense. Hmm. So it's bar bar barbarian. Barbarian. So
0: it's not as awful as it sounds to us necessarily. I mean, they didn't like them, but it didn't mean... like. Barbarian has a pretty negative connotation for us in English. Right.
1: The big idea is they are less than me. Mm -hmm. And um, this wasn't just a Jewish thing or a Greek thing. I think we do this in the 21st century because I hear all the time we have evolved. We are better now. We're more progressive now. And we think that we are better than generations past. But what we see when we read the book of Romans is our culture and their culture... Is almost identical. So I don't know if we have evolved as much.
0: Well, on that happy note. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was good, honestly. That's our
1: need for righteousness.
0: Yeah. Way to bring it back.
1: Thank you.
3: (laughs) The part that stood out to me um, is where Paul's saying, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Um, And just that, you know, that it's really just, that's a challenging verse and just um one that leads to self reflection and um that's the that's the part of that of that verse that just that kind of stood out to me. Um
1: can
0: I ask y'all a question? What do you think it means to be ashamed of the gospel? Because I think I think of a million different things. What do you think that is telling us specifically?
3: I think to me it, it means that like I'm not gonna hide it. I've got it like if I'm ashamed of it, then I'm trying to hide it and not let you find out about it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's where, that's the first thought that pops in my head when you ask that question. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think to not be ashamed of the gospel means that like, man, I've got this good news and I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to keep it to myself. Um, and so, but I, but I, it just goes against our culture, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and so that's that's kind of what it means to me.
1: Yeah, it's like when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it said they had shame. So what did they do? They went and hid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think being ashamed is we are going to hide mm-hmm. from it. We're not going to proclaim it. We're not going to be proud of it. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I think so all of those things, but also like how he's talked about all the different types of people. I think about how it's really easy for me to be not ashamed of the gospel around people that are like me. Mm -hmm. But it's when I get around the people that aren't like me that sometimes I'm not saying it, but I am showing that maybe I do feel a little ashamed of it, maybe because I just don't know how to say it the right way or I'm afraid of their response. But, you know, so I think it's easy for me to tell myself, well, of course, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I'm typically around people who are like me. But I think the real test of that for us is to get around people who aren't like us and then now test yourself. Are you sure that you can say, I am not ashamed of the gospel the way that Paul did?
1: Yeah. And, and being reminded, we have an obligation. Like yeah. Paul said, I am obligated. And, and that's why it says in Romans 1 for I'm unashamed of the gospel for it is the power for everyone who believes, mm-hmm. knowing that, that we are walking with the Holy Spirit, and it's not us that has the power, but it is God who has the power. And for whatever reason, he chooses to work through us.
2: Yeah, and I think um, oftentimes we kind of assume that we can be someone's Holy Spirit. I mean, like it's clear in that verse where it's, it's just the power of God alone that leads to salvation. And we may want that for somebody like so bad or, or want a righteous way of living for somebody that we, we are close to. Um, but to realize that it's not our responsibility to be their Holy Spirit. Like, that's only God and His power alone that's going to make that transition in their heart.
1: Yeah, so again, Romans chapter (laughs) 1, gem-packed. Next week, we'll be covering a few more verses. And uh, Paul gets really specific about the Gentiles, or, or the Greeks, rather, because they think they're so superior. And he's about to say, look, here are all the ways that you're not and thus why you need to be made righteous before a holy God. Um, I've been really intrigued with that part of this chapter, so we're looking forward to that. And hey, just want to give a shout-out to everybody. You know, we were at the Hunt Club a couple weeks ago, and that was the first time we got to see just a lot of our folks who are involved with the house church, and we just want to thank you for being a part of this podcast, listening to it, and for all the great feedback that you've given us. We appreciate it a lot. So with that... I guess we'll catch you guys next week. We'll see you then. Peace.
0: Unschooled and Ordinary is an original podcast from Venture Church. While this podcast is great for individual study, the word really comes alive when we talk about it and apply it to our lives in house church. House churches are small groups of believers gathered in homes for a meal, scripture study, discipleship, and prayer in a trusted community of faith. They meet on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. in homes throughout South Mississippi. And you can join any time. To find a house church near you, visit VentureChurch.org slash